Hey, welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality with Sydney DeLorean. That's me. I'm so excited to talk to everyone today. But first and foremost, let me crack open a cold one from our sponsor, Diet A&W, because dicks don't burp on themselves. Ooh, cool, refreshing Diet A&W root beer. You love hearing my mouth sounds, I'm certain. All right, up top, I want to give a shout out to new listeners, Ryan and Devin, who I met IRL, and then they listened to the pod. Let me tell you, I've said it before, I will say it again. This podcast has the sexiest listeners, and maybe I should hype up our Discord, which is just inactive and flaccid but maybe i should get people using our discord because then you sexy motherfuckers can talk to each other and maybe finger each other's holes because let me tell you this about ryan and devin they're a couple of lookers watch out ladies um (laughs) what uh (laughs) i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about i'm gonna be honest with you guys my significant other who I live with was out of town yesterday. Like he spent the night in a different city with his bro, broing out, sucking each other off in a Motel 6 or whatever it is you guys do uh, when you get to be alone together. Um, so I, because I have not had the house to myself in over a year since COVID happened. And um, I did what I do best when he goes out of town, which is clean the fuck out of the house. I know, boring. Um, But it's easier to do without somebody in my fucking way. Um, So I cleaned the house. I threw shit away. And then I did what I do best, which is I took some mushrooms. I had myself a good old-fashioned mushrooms and markers night and I drew and I tripped and then when I was kind of done tripping definitely done drawing I ate some marijuana edibles so I could fall asleep and um yeah so I listen I had a triptastic good time I'm in the afterglow of that experience Um, and I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I do know that I'm going to talk about medical fetishism on today's show, which will involve me reading from the Wikipedia. And everybody loves that. Everybody loves that. So I, I first learned of medical fetishism, um, or MetFet, uh, as as they say. I first learned about it, I want to say I was like an adolescent, maybe 14. And it was on like Extra or Inside Edition. And it was about people who like to like fool around in hospital beds and they would do like a fake cast like they would pay someone to like cast a leg and then they could lay in the hospital in bed and be like oh I'm all laid up with my broken leg oh no you're gonna sponge bathe me and fuck me um and I was like that's fucking wild uh because listen 
As always, this is a show hosted by me, so I'm going to talk about me. My sexual orientation doesn't involve props. It's never been my thing. I've been very thankful for that because then when it comes to fucking, I don't have to show up with like a bag of tricks. I'm not carrot top. I'm not a sexual carrot top just carrying around this bag of props that are necessary to my comedy or sex. Um, my fetish historically has involved having um, pretty normal sex with crazy people. Like that's really hot. Like um, like crazy people who are like kind of emotionally abusive. That's hot. Um, since I've reformed from those days, now my sexuality just involves like an extreme level of emotional uh sexual intimacy where you know we're feeling each other's breaths we're fully connecting and you know the difference between when you're like it's like a hot fuck like it's a hot fuck you're just hooking up and that's fun and when you're like literally like it's an out-of-body experience because you are connecting on so many levels um and, uh, yeah, and I like, you know, making love to someone in their totality. Anyways, I am embarrassed of myself because I am such a fucking hippie, but whatever, kids. I brew my own kombucha, so it just, it is what it is. I'm a certain type of person. Um, whatever. I do, uh... Despite shaving, or brewing my own kombucha, I do shave my underarms. I do get laser hair removal, my forehead is Botoxed, so I'm not, like, a total hippie. I'm, like, I'm half trophy wife, because as I like to say, I am my own trophy wife. Half trophy wife, half hippie. I'm, like, the L.A. version of hippie that involves a lot of wealth. Um, anyways, so medical fetishism, I learned about it at a young age, and I was like, okay, it's like a role-playing where one person likes to be, like, hospitalized and... Um, I'll tell you what my medical fetish is. My medical fetish is like in nine to five when the boss is up in traction and then they get into hijinks, the women take over and get in hijinks together. That's actually my fetish is that like the dominant male in the scenario is strung up from the ceiling and then me and my girls can do whatever the fuck we want. Um... And it's not that, therefore, it's not really sexual, but it is like a, um, what do you say? It's a hashtag goals. It's a hashtag goals. Uh, just basically any idiot in power, I'd like to string them up from the ceiling and uh, the people with sense can get on with it. Um, anyways, so it turns out medical, <laughs> like now I understand. I like don't. I don't like anything that I'm saying today, and I now understand the people who leave negative reviews. I think last episode I railed against them and was like, these people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And now I'm I'm listening, I'm actively listening to the words coming out of my mouth, and I am filled with, like, I'm just so annoyed. I'm not as annoying as the host of Call Her Daddy, which I cannot wait to do a parody, Decency DeLorean. Decency with DeLorean, my other show, which uh, pre-releases pre on Patreon, patreon.com slash sex, drugs, and spirituality. We will be doing a parody of Call Her Daddy because I listened 
to an episode uh, because Holly Madison was on it, and you know that I'm obsessed with anything related to Playboy, the Playboy Mansion, etc. And um, I, I, I honestly, like, I don't want to hate on anyone else's steez, but the host of Call Her Daddy is so fucking annoying. It is such a put-on character that I, I, I can't believe it's in the top of iTunes. I cannot believe it. And I'm sure she gets a lot of hate. I'm sure she gets a lot of hate, so I don't need to pile on. But I just was like, this is so disingenuous. And this woman is so representative of the early aughts sort of um, brand of female sexual liberation that actually was the result of internalized patriarchy and growing up in the porn culture of Girls Gone Wild, etc. That I don't, I don't need to rehash it. You guys, just listen to The Department because it's a podcast about trends, but they really unpacked the porn culture and hipster misogyny of the early aughts, which I came of age in, where, like, in order to be a liberated woman, you had to, like, sleep around with abandon, like, oh, I don't care about sex. I fuck whoever. I go to strip clubs on first dates, where it's like... Is that what we really wanted or did we were we conditioned to believe that was what was cool and in order to be sexually liberated you had to disconnect emotions from sex which is also what a lot of people do in response to experiencing sexual trauma and is growing up in a porn culture um, sexual trauma in and of itself I don't know but you know it is a lot um, it, it's weird. Like I feel, I firmly believe that turning your emotions off to things is cowardly because you, it takes courage to fully feel and process. It's why a lot of people never recover from trauma because they use addiction in to, you know, substances or behaviors, whatever they use addiction to numb those feelings and they never process their trauma because actually feeling things is really, really scary. I also believe that being emotionally avoidant leads to depression because when you're trying not to feel bad things, you're also turned off to feeling good things. And I say this from personal experience as someone who used to be emotionally numb and disconnected in order to not feel and process things. And then when you decide, okay, I'm going to process my negative feelings, but it also, you have to open yourself up to positive feelings. So like having casual sex is like really easy in a way, especially, well, let's be real, especially if you drink. But, um, like having feelings and being honest with your emotions and telling someone like, I care about you at the risk. I care about you. I love you. I feel this way about you at the risk of them not reciprocating that. That's fucking scary. That's a fucking, listen, I'm not an extreme sports person. I'm not an adrenaline junkie in that regard. I don't need to go fucking off-roading in some sort of dune buggy. I don't need a bungee jump. I don't need any of that shit. Uh, however, I think that my biggest thrill is like being brave enough to be honest with people about how I feel and whether it be positive or negative, but like, yeah. So mm, where the fuck was I talking about? I, I don't know, whatever. I, so I guess like that's my extreme sport is emotional vulnerability and like not, you know, I don't know, whatever. When I love, I love hard. Anyways, <clears throat> what? 
I hate myself. I am a middle-aged woman. I sound like I should be journaling. This is a show about sex. Okay, medical fetishism. It is more than putting a cast on and having someone pretend to sponge bathe you. Here we go to the wiki. Medical fetishism refers to a number of sexual fetishes involving objects, practices, environments, and situations of a medical or clinical nature. In sexual role play, a hospital or medical scene involves the sex partners assuming the roles of doctors, nurses, surgeons, patients to act out specific general medical fetishism. Uh, It's also a genre in porn. And so, like, let's say, like, okay, just, like, the naughty nurse fantasy, which is common. It's common stripper outfit that you'll wear to a bachelor party. We saw it in the movie Promising Young Woman. Um, So, like, that's a pretty standard one, naughty nurse. Yeah. Oh, no. She's going to give me a shot. And by that, I mean she's going to peg you. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how you fucking play this shit out. Okay. Medical fetishism may involve sexual attraction to respiratory therapy involving oxygen via nasal cannula or any sort of masks. It can involve medical practitioners, uniforms, hospital gowns, anesthesia, uh, intimate examinations such as rectal or gynecological or urological, andrological. What does andrological mean? Uh, oh, male health. Uh <laughs> I don't know him. Uh, Rectal temperature taking, catheterization, diapering, enemas, injections, suppository insertion, menstrual cup insertion, prostatic massage, medical devices such as orthopedic cast braces, um, which is also known as abasiophilia, a psychosexual attraction to people with impaired mobility. I will be doing a future episode about it. Don't you fucking worry. Um, dental objects such as braces, retainers, headgears, restraints, and medical gags. So it really spans the gamut. I, as we're learning, as we're learning, um, I can't relate. Like early in the show, I'd be like, yeah, I can relate to that. I cannot fucking relate to medical fetishism at all. And uh, because growing up, I was like a sick kid. Uh, I just like, I had surgery all the time. I feel I had bone surgery and like, I always had surgery on my fucking feet and then like getting my, no, you know, normal shit, tonsils out, whatever. And then as an adult, um, who will I ever stop talking about endometriosis? Probably not as an adult who took 15 years and six surgeries and countless procedures to get proper diagnosis and treatment for my endometriosis. Like the medical stuff isn't fun. It's always filled with a great level of anxiety because you're putting your trust into the doctor and anesthesiologists and nurses, you're putting the trust in them that they know what is best for you. And actually, in my personal experience, that is not true because uh, in the field of endometriosis, most doctors graduate from medical school with improper knowledge on what the disease pathology is, let alone the treatment. And so I went through a decade and a half of, you know, procedures, scans, probes, ER visits, whatever, where 
People didn't know what the fuck they were talking about, and they sent me on my way with a huge bill and an incorrect diagnosis. Um, yeah, just spending the night in the hospital, getting all sorts of scans um, because I was in extreme pelvic pain and then being told I had an ovarian cyst burst and I would be fine. When it turns out, I didn't, and free fluid in the pelvis is one of the number one indicators of endometriosis. So could have gotten that diagnosis in 2010, didn't get it until 2018. Um, I'm unpacking a lot of trauma, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot. Of, so I have a lot of, me- I have a lot of, no, number one, number one, I don't think the medical role playing would work for me because it involves this. I think like the, the goal is to feel kind of helpless. And then this medical professional is going to take care of you. And, um, I have spent enough time feeling helpless and having medical professionals fail me. So there is a deep ingrained bias in me that would, um, basically make it so this, this fetish isn't going to work for me. Um, crying a little bit, crying a little bit, just even thinking about that experience. Um, wow. Wasn't, wasn't expecting to, um, unleash the floodgates on an episode about about fucking doctor sex. Um, Should I go to therapy? Maybe. I don't know. If you know a good therapist who could help uh, someone heal from uh, medical trauma, my email address is sydneydelorean at gmail.com. Just kidding. I'm not going to go to therapy. I'm just going to keep taking mushrooms and... um, unexpected. I think, you know what, honestly, I think because I did stream last night, my emotions are a little bit closer to the surface. Like I'm ovulating. Um, I'm working on some like major changes in my life and, uh, I have a little bit of a psychedelic hangover. So I think I'm not going to fucking apologize for my feelings. They're just really close to the surface today. Okay. Back to the wiki for MedFet. Uh, some people eroticize about intimate examinations as part of a medical fetish. Uh, and such are common services offered by professional dominance. An intimate examination can form part of a scene in a medical play where uh, a nurse or doctor or even a nun, what the fuck, inflicts one or more embarrassing and humiliating quasi-medical procedures on the patient. Often frozen or heated objects are introduced to the patient's body to stimulate the uncomfortable sensations that can occur during a real examination. Examinations may include an examination and intrusion of the anus, urethra, or vagina, as well as handling and twisting of the penis, testicles, clitoris, or nipple. Quite often, strap-on play is also incorporated, and this can heighten intimacy. And also the sensations of the quote-unquote patient. This may be a prelude to masturbation or administration of an enema. Before examination, the patient can be placed in physical restraints and gagged and wear some sort of embarrassing clothing. Yeah, yeah. I've spent enough time in medical gowns. I don't need to do that. Sexually. Also, this, like, gets dangerous. So I went to some websites that sell, like, implements for med fet and a lot of them are like i just feel like maybe not safe 
if used by a novice. I mean, obviously, like a lot of people who practice fetishes, like they are, they know they're educated in safe practice, but um, I know some aren't because a lot of these toys, like they have like an anuscope, which is like, uh, it's like a thing you insert in the anus and then you can see into the anus is what doctors use for butthole exams. You know, when you're told for 10 years that you have Crohn's disease and then everyone with a fucking MD after their name is up your asshole and it turns out you never had Crohn's disease. Just supposing. Um, anyways, uh, so they have anuscopes. They have, like, sounding rods, which, okay, so sounding is, like, basically a way to tell the depths of something. So, like... Um, a lot of people know what sexual sounding is, which is like putting a rod up your pee hole. Do not use a glass swizzle stick. You fucking moron. People do that. Um, there are these metal rods, like doctors will use them to measure the depth of a woman's uterus. Like they, they, they're used to measure depth. Um, but people buy these and they put them up their pee holes. And I've read that some men even like it to go so deep that it stimulates the bladder. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum, but like it just seems dangerous. Um, what else did I see? There's like the little rolly like prickers. Like picture what you would use to like perforate dough. Like if you're making like a, a pie crust and you have the little roller with the prickers that like makes the dots in it. Um, it looks like that, but like doctors will use them. They'll run them on like your extremities to make sure nerves are working so you can feel that. Like those are those are safe. Those are safe. Those are fun. And they provide like a unique sensation. But then like some of the other stuff, I, I don't know. I closed the tab and I'm, am I going to reopen that tab? I don't think so. I don't think so. So yeah, some of the stuff I saw, I was like, I was not comfortable with it because it's like you could damage somebody. Um, and then there were other things like little spreaders, like a little bendy, like picture like a rubber, like thing with the sort of um bendiness of a pipe cleaner and you use it to like prop open the labes so you can get a better shot at the clit is what it said in the instructions and I like all these things that are like <sighs> he doesn't even know how to find a clit he doesn't know where the clit is like it's front and center I don't know I listen I don't watch a lot of porn but I've seen vaginas and it doesn't seem like it's hard to find a clitoris. It seems that it's, like, right there. And granted, like, I have smaller beef curtains than normal people. Like, it's not normal people, but, like, I'm just – I don't have a lot of meat there. Um, I have a low BMI, and as someone whose weight has fluctuated, like, your labes get bigger and smaller, like – and so, like, I'm a, th I'm a thin person now. I don't have a lot of labs. So, like, there's not – nothing's hiding. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, maybe on someone who's a little bit beefier down there. Um, sorry, I'm burping from the uh, Diet A&W sponsor of the show because dicks don't burp on themselves. So, I don't know. Like, that – yeah, that whole thing. I'm like – because you hear, like, people make these jokes about, like, he couldn't find her clit. I'm like, how couldn't he? Like – what? It's right there. It's right there. Just lick it. God, just shut up and fucking lick it. God. Um, anyways, so I don't like the idea of these toys. A lot of them, it's like, whatever. Uh, there's a temperature taking fetish, uh, which is like a fetish for oral and rectal thermometers. Um, 
and like, yeah, be like, oh, bend over. I'm going to put this thermometer in your booty hole. We're going to play veterinarian um, because that's what they do to my dogs when we go to the vet. Okay, there is an enema fetish. I don't like that. Uh, it, uh, whatever. I don't want to talk about it. There's an enema fetish, and you'd be like, ooh, I'm the nurse. I'm going to rinse out your boo hole. Um, anesthesia fetishism I know about because there was this show on, like, Australian Showtime. I forget what it was called, but it was about a brothel. It was really good. And this one uh, working gal, she got involved with a client who had an anesthesia fetish. He was... No, no, he didn't have an anesthesia fetish. He had like a dead body fetish. So she would like lay in a bathtub to make her body cold and then just kind of like lay there and pretend to be dead while he fucked her. And then it progressed to, oh, I'm going to put you under anesthesia and then I'll fuck you because then you'll be totally out. And um, she ended up dying because it's fucking dangerous because it's fucking dangerous. And I don't know. Okay. Bless all the anesthesiologists out there, but anyone who's ever worked in a medical capacity who's dealt with anesthesiologists, it's a weird group of people. It's they are, It is a necessary field, 100%, but also to choose that as your specialty to go into because like there's stereotypes about every medical specialty, but anesthesiologists are really weird. They always have kind of crypt keeper vibe because your whole thing is like, I knock people out. And it's kind of nice because then you don't really have to deal with, a, like, a doctor-patient relationship. Like, they come and introduce themselves before the surgery, and they're like, hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so. I'm going to be knocking you out. And if you're me, you say, um, I'm a sober person, and this is technically my cheat day, so let's go all in. Uh, I make that joke a lot, but honestly, I understand why Michael Jackson was addicted to propofol. It is fun. It is enjoyable. Um, do not make any decisions in the days following anesthesia because you are not quite yourself, but, um, yeah, it's fun. You, cause you're like that, that phase where you're coming out of it and you're the, you just feel like you're the funniest person in the room and you're telling jokes and then your fucking mom reminds you that you've already said what you said 30 million times because when you're under anesthesia, you can't remember like when you're coming out and you repeat yourself and there's nothing that's more of a buzzkill than someone going, you already said, you said that you said that. You're like, let me say it again. It's my party. You don't know what my fucking copay is. Like, I paid for this trip. Um, Because that is honestly how I feel. I'm like, okay, well, I have a $1,000 copay. Let me enjoy my buzz because uh, I don't get to drink anymore. Um, Okay, so, yeah, I don't like this. Uh, Anesthesia fetish may include sexual attraction to the equipment, process, substances, effects, environments, or situation. So maybe it's the idea of being like, oh, I'm totally helpless because I'm knocked out. And, like, it says some people just pretend to be knocked out. Like, it's all, like, fake, and that's totally safe. And then you can pretend to be knocked out and vulnerable, but you're awake and conscious. So, like, you are sexually aroused by that level of helplessness. I don't fucking know. But the people who play with like actual anesthesia, that's so dangerous. Don't do that. It killed Michael Jackson. 
Um, he needed to die. He was such a fucking garbage person. And honestly, like, I hate any time I – even before we had, like, the solid proof he was a pedophile, I was pretty much over his music just because we've heard it too much. So by the time he died, I was like, well, whatever. Like, I've heard his music enough for a fucking lifetime. I don't need to hear it again. And then it's like you watch Finding Neverland and you see what a fucking – like, there is no question that this man was a – pedophile demon also his face is a hate crime it's a fucking problem and like this is why money is a problem because it lets people create these bubbles where they can be like that um i.e a john mcafee a peter nygaard um a fucking r kelly uh michael jackson like all these fucking demons who are insulated by money because the staff is incentivized to look the other way and you like they live on these compounds and things become normalized in the eyes of everything, everyone that is not fucking normal. It's not fucking normal. It's why it's important to be poor and part of society. Cause you're out there working, interacting with other people and you have something to measure behavior against. <sighs> oh, oh yeah. So Michael Jackson needed to die. Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? You sick Fuck, I just spilled a little bit of my uh, diet a I got so upset. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't like, I do not like this anesthesia fetish. And I feel like the people who, like, are turned on by their partner, like, being, like, totally knocked out. Like, I just don't like that. Like, the idea of wanting to do anything to an unconscious body. I've had sexual partners where we've been sober and they just weren't engaged. And e even that was gross to me where I'm like, like, they're, they, they're like scared to touch me or they don't know where to put their hands. And I'm like, bro, your dick is in my pussy. Like, you can touch me. Grab my butt. Hold my back. Touch my titties. Like, stroke my hair. Like, you can touch me. We can fully engage. This isn't just about p and v this is about like two bodies combining for an experience so like yeah i've had sober sex partners who were as they what do they call them oh, a dead fish a wet towel you know what i mean and even that i'm just it makes me feel really yucky because i just am like well you're not fully engaged and then where is the where is the full intimacy like i might as well have just been beating off because number one i'm Whatever. I would have gotten off probably more than having sex with a fucking wet blanket. Um, but, yeah, so the, I don't fully understand the idea of being like, I want to do stuff to a passed out body. It seems unsettling for me. Uh, I don't mind a sleep creep. And a sleep creep is when you have a romantic partner that you trust and you're safe with. And while you're sleeping, maybe they're spooning you and then they slide their hand down and, like, just kind of hold it, you know near the vag you feel the heat and maybe like that sensation wakes you up like a little bit and you're still kind of groggy and then they start stroking it and then eventually you like roll over and you're like okay I'm fully engaged and then you have sex like that's a sleep creep don't mind a sleep creep I, one of my favorite things to do is like you you know you make out whatever you have sex you're laying in bed naked you kind of drift off to sleep and then you wake up and you just start wordlessly without words you just start feeling each other you're just feeling each other feeling it out and it's like the pure physical communication that words are unnecessary yeah the 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 fuck pass out wake up to fucking more 
what more do you want? That's that's a honeymoon. And because I don't anticipate ever getting married, I I would like my sex life to always feel like a honeymoon. Because um, I don't need to, like, combine bank accounts with some dude or anything like that. Any of that shit that ruins the magic. Like, the only thing I'm trying to combine is body fluids. See how fast I moved past crying about my emotional trauma okay um so the other thing is i wonder if for some people who like to play the patient in these scenarios i wonder if there is a uh i wonder if there's like an element of munchausen's so munchausen's by proxy is like when you make your kids sick to get attention munchausen's is when you make yourself sick um, and I don't know, there's another term for it where it's called, fuck. I want to say facsimile disease and it's not that, but it's where you fake your symptoms, but you know, you're faking your symptoms for attention. I forget what that's called. Um, taking a lot of drugs in the past 24 hours. Sorry guys. Um, but I wonder if malingering, is it malingering? It might be malingering. Who knows? Everyone's sh yelling at their at their phone right now going, it's this, you stupid bitch. I'm going to leave you one star on iTunes. You forgot the word for malingering. Um, but it's where you, there's a word for faking being sick to get attention and factitious disorder. There's faking being sick to get attention. And then there's actually thinking you're sick to get attention, like, uh, which is kind of a hypochondriac thing. But um, so I wonder if that's that, like these people, like maybe you never felt love from your parents. Your parents didn't like love and dote on you just for no reason. But when you were sick, that's when you felt like truly loved. They brought you soup. They'd bring you an Archie comic, whatever. So I think there's a lot of people where like that's their pathology. Like they never felt doted on as a kid, except for when they were sick. Um Honestly, I didn't feel doted on even when I was sick. Uh, I have problems. That's all right. I just need a big, strong daddy in my life to take care of me. And I don't need any fucking therapy. Um, so I think that maybe for those people, because they have confused, like, they they were programmed to think, okay, the only way that I'm doted on is if I'm sick. And so like it becomes sexual, like, oh, I'm laid up with a broken leg from a skiing accident. Bring me soup. Make me feel loved. Tug my Johnson. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what people say. I'm sure that's exactly how it goes on. So I think there's like an element of that is the people who like to feel... Like, it's almost like the same mentality behind being an adult baby where you're like, I'm just so helpless. Can you please take care of me? Oh, my my arms are both in cast, but I want to get off. Can you play with my clit? <laughs> Why don't I write porn? Obviously, this stuff is so erotic. I'm coming up with the best scenarios. Um, <laughs> I'm 700 pounds and I can't reach my butthole can you give me an enema <laughs> she makes herself laugh 
She certainly makes herself laugh. So that's, I think, most of it with um, medical fetishism. The idea of being like, because you can buy speculums from these websites. So you can like give someone like a pretend gynecological exam. And that doesn't sound fun to me, to be honest. Like I go, I've, I've been to so many gynecologists. I've had so many exams and um, because of my uh, condition, they would have to use like the, the children's speculum on me because like my pussy was so tight oh, oh. Um, and it like hurt and it's unpleasant and the the last one I had, their lamp, like not in my specialist office, but like the last one I had before I got my specialist doctor that I see in Atlanta. Um, the last one I had at my shitty gynecologist here, the fucking lamp that they used to like shine a light on your pussy was broken. So they had to use my camera's like flashlight. They were like, well, use your phone. So, you know, you know, we're not taking pictures, but yeah, let's use. So yeah, they used the light on my fucking iPhone to illuminate my vagina while they cratcheted open it, cratcheted, ratcheted it open with a speculum and then uh, whatever, whatever. Like, fuck, dude, fuck everyone. Fuck everyone. And then you just leave being like, well, that's how that was supposed to go down. Um, and that's not how that's supposed to go down. So anyways, I don't know, man. I just think like that doesn't get me hot. Injections doesn't get me hot. Catheterization does not get me hot. The And I see that. I think that's dangerous to be like a couple of novices and being like, yeah, I'm going to catheterize you. What? What? I'll tell you this about getting a catheter, too. The first time you pee after being catheterized, it is going to be bloody. And I was not prepared for that. So when I had my excision of endometriosis in Atlanta in October, um, it was a pretty intensive surgery, obviously, like because all of my pelvic organs were involved and stuck together with scar tissue. Um, but uh, when... So I was catheterized, whatever. And then at a certain point, they took it out. I don't know. It was all like a haze. I had to spend the night in the hospital. I've never stayed overnight. It was wild. Um, and so then my first, like, pee where they walked me to the toilet to pee, like, it, the toilet just filled with blood. And I was not emotionally prepared for that. And I was like, oh. And then I looked up at the nurse. And I was like, is that normal? And she's like, yeah. Like, I know that's every day. This is every day for you. I don't fucking know. You see blood in the toilet, you get alarmed. Um, and then I hiked up my talk about medical fetishization. I'll never learn to say it. Not by the end of this episode. This might be sexy. So when you have surgery at, uh, like on your downstairs, like your boo hole or your front hole or whatever it is. And like, there's going to be blood. Um, uh, they like after surgery, they put these, um, underwear on you that they're basically like fishnet boy shorts. Like they're white fishnet boy shorts. Maybe I'll find a picture of it. And that way they have something to stick the pad to, um, 
to absorb the blood, but also like that it's, I don't know why they use them. They're cheap. It allows like breathability and visibility for everything else. But yeah, they're like these little fishnet boy shorts. Um, and then they'll put like a, a big old maxi pad in there to catch all the blood coming from you. Um, is this sexy? Are you guys turned on about how many times I've been in the hospital? It reaches a point where like, you're like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not trying to keep the like, Ooh, I got to keep the back of my gown closed. So no one sees my butt. Like I got over that by like age. I want to say I was like 12. I had a surgery and like afterwards they had to get me up and walk me around to make sure I was like mobile and like my gown poked open and my butt was showing. And the nurse was like, Oh my gosh, here, let me tie. And I was like, I kind of like gave her like a psh, like whatever. Like I brushed her away. Like who gives a fuck? This is a hospital. Our butts are out. I just, that's how I am. Like I don't get shy when I go and get like waxes or whatever. Um, I should be more ashamed of myself, but like I get my back waxed. I have like blonde peach fuzz and I'm insecure about it because I want my whole body to be smooth like a seal. I want the I want the body hair of an Asian, which is no body hair. Um, and that's not what I have. I have body hair. So I get the little peach fuzzies on my my whole back wax. And like, I don't, they'll be like, do you want me to leave the room while you take your top off? And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. You can see my little floppy knockers. It's not going to bowl you over. It, you know what I mean? Like, it's not going to disgust you. It's not going to bowl you over. It is what it is. You see titties and bodies all day. I don't give a fuck. And I used to get my laser hair removal. Uh, like, I did Brazilian laser hair removal with a bar customer of mine who was, like, a professional at it. And uh, a coworker couldn't believe that I'm seeing this woman. I'm um, like, oh, my God. It's, isn't that weird? Like, you serve her drinks and then she sees, like, your whole pussy and asshole. I'm like, she doesn't give a fuck. She sees those all day long. I guarantee the minute I leave the room, she doesn't remember what mine looks like. It's not the best one she's ever seen. Well, it might be the best one she's ever seen because, you know, my pussy is better looking than my face. Um, it's not, but I, you know what I mean? Like, it's not the best they've ever seen. It's not the worst. Like, it is what it is. And it's, it's business to them. It's all business. Um, so whatever. Uh, so yeah, diapering, which then that relates to the adult baby thing, which is like about being helpless and like, I just, I, whatever. Who, who cares? <laughs> who gives a fuck? Medical restraints, honestly, that might be hot. Cause I have these friends who run a company that delivers like medical supplies. So it's like home medical supplies. Um, so if someone's like recovering from a joint replacement or whatever, like they, and you need the things, that's what they bring you the things. And they actually do have a hospital bed in their inventory. And I was like, do you ever like, you know, tie the other one up in restraints and be like, oh, we're in a mental hospital and you had a, a psychotic break and you had to be restrained for your safety. And now I'm going to make you come like and they said no they said no they have not done that scenario but um maybe one day maybe one day you never know it's important to keep the magic alive <laughs> okay I am officially sick of myself uh you're probably sick of me so happy hump day everyone later